This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. I'm Roshan Kunison and welcome to the all new Resource Center, your one stop shop for insights and strategies to help you build, manage, and grow your business. Layoffs were a key trend in 2023, particularly for the tech sector, and it looks like this has continued into 2024. Tech industry tracker layoffs.fyi estimates that more than 30,000 employees have been let go this year so far. And while this is a far cry from the nearly 90,000 laid off in January last year, getting laid off is never pleasant news. According to The Verge, in January itself, we saw more layoffs from Google as they cut around 1,000 employees. Microsoft cut 1,900 over at Activision Blizzard and their Xbox team. Discord cut 17% of its staff, while Twitch cut a third. Amazon fired hundreds of people from Amazon Prime Videos and MGM Studios, and most notably closer to home, and something that did cause quite a little bit of a stir was Lazada cut its staff by 30%. Uh, Just this week, on top of all this, announced that it's cutting its workforce by around 10%. That makes up around 540 employees. A key theme that has come up with these layoffs is how companies conduct their layoffs, whether it was how Google conducted theirs last year or more recently, Lazada. So today on Resource Center, we'll be getting to how the firing process or the layoff process should look like, especially for smaller and growing companies with Anisha Sachindran, founder and managing partner at One People Team, a HR advisory and training company. Among other things, we're going to ask Anisha what should go into these conversations between employers and employees, whether there is such a thing as a humane or ethical layoff and what it could look like and the challenges businesses typically face with talent management and retention. If you have any thoughts on this or questions, you can WhatsApp us on our U-Mobile number. That's 018-789-8899. Or as always, you can reach us on X at BFM Radio. Anisha, uh, thank you so much for joining me in the studio and welcome to the show. Thank you, Roshan. Happy to be here. Uh, Anisha, let's start off with the some of your insights that you may have or key considerations that businesses should prioritize when managing the firing process because it is never an easy situation, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's definitely not an easy one. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm going to answer this question with maybe some questions that companies should uh, ask themselves when they're thinking about uh, following through this process, right? So... The first three questions is, why do I need to do this? Mm. Right? And I think answering or getting this question right is important so that the messaging or how we execute uh, the, the, the process data on uh, becomes a little bit more uh, you know, relevant to the reason. Right? Is this a temporary layoff because of a cost-cutting measure or is this uh, due to like a closure in a business or a market that we are currently present in? Um, the second question uh, that uh, companies should consider is uh, before I think about going through uh, a layoff process, uh, have I done everything else that mm. I could have done, right, to prevent uh, uh, my company from going through this process? Because remember, when we layoffs, retrenchments, a tough experience, not just for the the impacted ones, but also for the company and those who actually eventually stay, the non-impacted ones, right? So, you know, uh, this is a very important question to ask before you get into the process itself. Have I done everything else, right? Uh, typically, there are certain things that companies can do, right? So they, 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 a lot of companies freeze hiring, for example, for a certain period of time. They look at ways to cut costs in, in you know, unwanted costs in like processes or, or, or tools that they use, so on and so forth. So there are some things that companies can do uh, before they consider, right? But of course, it's different, yeah? If the reason is it's a closure of a market, 
for example. So then it is what it is, right? And we will need to kind of then proceed to the next part, which is execution of the process. But how we execute it is going to matter. Now, the third question, uh, I think before we even start executing this uh, uh, retrenchment or layoff process, it's very important for the leaders of the company to know how is my business going to look like after this? Mm. Because if you don't have uh, the plan, you don't have a direction, you don't know how the business is going to look like, it's going to be tough to even kind of uh, envision what teams or roles will be impacted through this process, right? And the next set of questions uh, is essentially um, when, we when we decide to proceed with a layoff uh, process, then some considerations is uh, who is the best team or people to drive this process. Now, it is important to get the right people to drive this entire process. It is not a one-day thing. It's not just a simple email. It has it has impact in different ways, right? To the, the company, the ones who are impacted and the ones who will eventually stay. Also your future hires. I mean, <laughs> me, HR, right? Thinking about future hires too. Um, yeah, so I think that's a very important question to ask. Who's going to drive this process? Um, do we have good a good communication plan uh, to be put in place? Uh, a communication plan that can balance both giving clarity Right? Why we're doing this? What what will change? But also balancing that with empathy and care, because this is not um, easy news, mm. right? To communicate or to 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 hear, right? And uh, I think another question to also think about uh, is how can I support better? How can I support those who are impacted? And a part that I feel companies don't think about is also how can I support the ones who are not impacted? Because that's also a real challenge, right, for those who, who eventually stay. Yeah. Now, um, a lot of really good questions to be asking there during the process and things that should be considered. Um, so let's let's take a look at, um, in, in, in an ideal world, um, what should then the firing process look like? Yeah. I'm going to break it into three parts, mm. right? So I'm going to start with the before the during, which is essentially for, you know, smaller layoffs or, or firing, uh, then it would be a day, could also last for a week or so. And then I'm also going to talk about the after, right? So the ideal process would be first, you start, you follow your your, your numbers, right? Your, your goals and your financial data. What story is your data telling you? And by right, if you're a company that's on top of your strategy and numbers, you should have already kind of seen this uh, process or experience coming, right? And I, I, I think that the, the, the ideal step here is to have already started to communicate to the, to the team. So like typically companies would have like monthly all hands or all go, or goal review sessions. Uh, to me, I think it is important to not just always communicate good news, mm. things that we're doing well, but also to make sure that we are communicating the real circumstance of the company. Now, I know some people are going to say, ah, how transparent can I be? You know, uh, I don't want to be, be de demotivating my high performance. Uh, I think transparency is something that the company defines. How, you know, what, 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 what do you want to be transparent with the, uh, the employees, uh, what you don't. But with regards to oh, how transparent can I be? I don't want to demotivate high performers. I think that 
eventually when you do things like a, a, a retrenchment, you are bound to also demotivate some of your high performers. So to me, I think like making sure that you're communicating uh, in advance, not that the company, you don't have to share PNL, you don't have to share, oh, we are not doing, uh, we're not hitting our numbers constantly. But I think making sure that people know with regards to the goals, where we are progressing or where we are not, I think that is something that we can already uh, give teams a heads up, right? Yeah. And and also with regards to uh, uh, the same thing, like when if you follow your data, you're, you're on top of your numbers, you will also know like what measures the mm. company should be taking. So that's ideally step one. Lah. You know, you should be communicating with your team so that no one is caught by surprise. I know people like surprises, but this is not <laughs> one of those surprises people yeah. anticipate, right? So communicate and then like already take preventive measures uh, or, or precautionary measures uh, where you can. The second one is, you know, looking at the, the the market and the circumstances that we have been, I mean, companies are still recovering from the, the past few years we've had, right? So... To me, uh, things like retrenchments and layoffs, yeah, I think it is something that we will see more and more for sure. Mm. And so when a decision is made that, okay, we've got to close a market or we've got to close a vertical or we've got to reduce a team size, uh, I think the next process or the next step would be to set up a team, a team that will drive this process. And the team, uh, my my recommendation is to make sure that it's not a large team. It's a team of like maybe uh, uh, three to five folks that comprise of your leadership team, members from the leadership team, and also the HR team, right? Now, there are two primary roles for this committee or this team. Uh, one is actually to really think about how's my business going to look like? Because it is that information that's going to guide uh, the rest of the planning. You know, what roles will be impacted, for example, how the team is going to be structured, so on and so forth. And uh, the second part of, uh, second role of this team is to actually execute the process, mm. right? The legalities that need to happen uh, 30 days before you actually uh, go through with this process or like the communication plan that needs to be set up. What's the timeline that we're working with? This com- committee needs to kind of spearhead that. And a third process or thing, a third step <laughs> that I think a lot of companies also don't do prior to executing this uh, uh, firing process is actually prepping the leaders and the HR folks who are going to be speaking directly with those who are impacted. Um, we take for granted, yeah, uh, a lot of times that, hey, these are leaders, right? And they, they should know what to say, how to say, how to address this uh, this conversation with those who are impacted. And I think that that is an assumption which uh, uh, can sometimes get us into uh, not the greatest experience, mm. lah, right, for those who are impacted. So I, I actually recommend the third step is prepping leaders and HR folks who are going to be directly dealing or speaking to the the, the individuals that are impacted, um, they need to know clearly what to say, what what not to say sometimes, <laughs> right? Uh, so on and so forth. So that that would be the three steps before. Um, the interesting one is going to be during. So for me, I'm going to start with two things. Anisha, hold that thought. Uh, we'll talk about the during the next phase of this after a few messages. Folks, I've been speaking with Anisha Sashindran, founder and managing partner at One People Team, a HR advisory and training company. And you've been listening to Resource Center, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help you build, grow and manage your business. I'm Roshan Kanasen. We'll be right back after a few messages. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Best Flipping Moments 
BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Resource Center, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help you build, grow, and manage your business. I'm Roshan Kanesan, and today I'm joined by Anisha Shashindran, founder and managing partner at One People Team, a HR advisory and training company. And we've been talking about the layoff process and how companies should handle it, given that layoffs continue to be a key theme going into 2024, although at a slower pace compared to what we saw in 2023. Anisha, earlier we were talking about the ideal process, or at least in an ideal world, what the hiring process should look like. You gave us the first part of a three-part answer, which was what should happen before. Uh, now, I think we're going to proceed with what should happen during the layoff process, correct? Yeah. So during the layoff process, uh, which can differ for like uh, smaller size companies, usually we, we do it within a day or so. Uh, for larger size companies or when too many people are impacted, then it could span across a, a week, right? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this part with uh, uh, two uh, sections, right? The first one is I want to talk about communication. Uh, you know, a big, big part when it comes to layoffs or retrenchment, it's communication, whether it's before, whether it's during and also after. So there are a few principles that I want to share, right? When we are executing uh, this process, uh, nobody likes surprises. Mm. So that's why I say like the before is very important. Uh, the second one is... Um, you know, our team has been part of our company, has been part of our experiences, success or not. And I think that one principle that I think is very important is that our, when we have decisions that we've made like this, where we, we have a certain segment of our team that's leaving, it is the leadership's responsibility to make sure our team hears it from us first, right? So uh, this is uh, one principle that I think is important for companies to practice because I've seen in the in, in, in many of the recent cases where you know uh, employees who are impacted hear this news about a reduction in their team mm. from media uh, first right or from other teams in different countries or or you know worse they, they hear it or they don't hear it they, they experience it through suddenly they can't access their email anymore oh wow yeah so you know I, I think it is our responsibility as uh, the company to make sure that if we've made this decision, we, we have that responsibility to com communicate to our team first and not hear them hearing it from media or so on and so forth. The, the, the next one is about this process. The major part is communication. But when we communicate, we got to make sure that we communicate with empathy. And what that means is put yourself in the other person's shoe. Right? How would you have wanted to receive this news? It's never an easy uh, update or a news to receive, but I think uh, you know communicating with empathy goes a long way. And the the last principle I have when it comes to communication uh, is control the message mm. that you want others to receive, right? So in, in, in quite a few of the recent uh, layoffs, there were no explanation given by the company why, what happened, what was the reason, what would change, so on and so forth. And so it's scary. It's scary not just for those who are impacted, but it's also scary for those who uh, are staying, Right, mm. and they don't know what's happening. Right, so this this darkness, this this no, no information, uh, is frustrating, and can can be quite damaging in the longer run for the company. Right, so uh, yeah, these are some of the communication principles. Essentially, the flow itself, uh, I, I 
ideally it should start with uh, on the day itself uh, for smaller companies they, they should have like an all hands led by the CEO for example right and I'm saying CEO because this is an important update and it shouldn't come from anyone else but like your highest leadership within that market or office or company uh, and that all hands should cover a few things it should tell the team why we're doing this what changes to ex- or what changes to expect and also like what's next right so usually under the what, what's next that's where uh, they would also say oh you know those who are impacted would get uh, an, an, a calendar invite or an email right uh, post this session so it starts with an all hands to address every single person in the company. And then like the second one would be the one-on-ones with those who are impacted. And I also feel like the one-on-one should be, there would there should be two parts to it. It shouldn't be just led by a HR person who goes through the legalities and the documents and the letters. It should start with a, a leader, right, mm-hmm. within the function or so that, that is aware of what ha- what's happening, why it's happening, so that the, those who are impacted have some, you know, like information about why this has to ha- why this happened. And sometimes they also have questions, why me, right, for example. And I think it's only this, uh, you know, like uh, nice to have a leader who has been involved or within the function and the process to communicate the first part of that message. But most often, uh, being part of these conversations myself, I, I know that a lot of times the, the, the questions are going to be about, oh, package, where's my last day? You know, so <laughs> and so forth. So that's where the and this part two with the HR is also quite important, right? So uh, so we've had the all hands with the CEO. We have the one-on-one with the impacted ones. Now, it's very, very important that once we have completed the one-on-ones, we have to regroup. We have to regroup uh, so that, uh, again, the highest leadership has a test time with those who are not impacted. Uh, Roshan, it's not just tough for those who are impacted. It is tough for those who stay. Mm. Right, and we also want to make sure that as a company, we are insulting, ins- uh, we are cr- making sure that the team that stays is confident. They are motivated. They 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 understand the reasoning to it, but they are also kind of eager to bring the company to the next level. We need these guys to stay with us. So if we don't do things like regrouping with them, providing them an avenue to 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 ask questions, uh, this may kind of like you know, uh, uh, lead to them also leaving in the next couple of months, right? So it's an all hands, one-on-one for the ones who are impacted, regroup with the ones who are staying. Now, Anisha, there are a few things that you really prioritised there and one of them was obviously communication and the importance of that. Uh, but before we, you know, get a, go further in depth into that, um, I, earlier in the in my introduction, I questioned whether this could be even done in a humane, ethical manner, right? Because end of the day, um, getting fired is a terrible thing to go through. But as we've seen over the last year, there are degrees of terrible, right? There is uh, there are there are companies that have done it well, and there are companies that have done it very badly. Um, so, what steps then can businesses take to ensure that? the terrible experience of being laid off can be done in a humane or even empathetical or ethical manner that considers both the employee's well-being but also um, the constraints and needs of the organisation itself. Yeah. So I think like for for this, having clarity of where the business is going next is important. So don't make decisions based on like, oh, we, we need 20,000 cost reduction and that's it. 
right? Uh, we need to have that that clarity where the business is going next, and therefore it makes the the communication to those who are impacted and not impacted a little bit more objective, right? People can understand why this decision was made and why those who were impacted are impacted. Right now, how to do it humanely? I think, like uh, generally, it all boils down again to communication. It is our responsibility to make sure that the team hears it from us first. That's like one, uh, you know, one example, for example. And and the the other one is about one on ones. I've seen uh, quite a few companies that don't even bother to have one on ones. Right, it's just wow. a, a email or a letter that is straightway sent to an inbox, a personal email uh, inbox, because they've already uh, deleted their company access, right? And that's it, right? No reasoning, no one-on-one, no time for for the those who are impacted to ask questions, right? No time or no space for them to get clarification from even HR, for example. I think. Again, put yourself in someone else's shoe. This is not an experience. This is not an everyday experience that someone aspires to have. You know, so like I think making sure that one, you've got the plan and then it makes it more objective to for the leaders and HR to explain why, why you, so on and so forth. But two, I think just providing that 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 time and space, right? So people actually have the the the, the space to ask questions. And you know, during the first few time first few times that we have gone through this this experience, even I even briefed the leaders to say that if during that conversation the ones who are impacted cry, please pause, please pause, allow them to express their emotions. Right, simple things like that. But when you when you have cold processes, when you limit your one-on-ones to 15 minutes calendar invites, mm. there's not much time that you can give to folks to really express how they feel. Right. So even small things like that, I think, go a long way. And, you know, how we treat our those uh, who are impacted, employees who are impacted goes a long way because people talk about it. Right. Uh, and, and it kind of like shows culture as well. So even in the future, if you're trying to, uh, you know, hire folks into the company and stuff, uh, the, how we treated those who were impacted, whether we did it as a cold process or we actually put ourselves in their shoe uh, and communicated with empathy, people talk, people mm. know. Yeah, and I guess this is also something that smaller companies, high-growth companies, uh, need to keep in mind, right? Not just the big ones. And for bigger companies, I'm guessing a bit more difficult, bit especially more difficult. the scale, right? If you're firing yeah. a thousand, five thousand people, how do you go about doing that? Uh, yeah. You know? But you know, I've heard recently one of the companies that just uh, let go a couple of weeks ago, they were a, they are a big company. But what I liked, uh, what I heard uh, is uh, they still had a personal one-on-ones that mm. was scheduled. I mean, they didn't do it the first time around. Mm. But I guess they learned from that first process. And then this year when they, they, they did it again, uh, you know, they included the element of one-on-one. So that was really beautiful to hear because this is a large MNC we're talking about. Uh, and I like that this time around there was this human element, right? So those who were impacted got to talk to their director first for half an hour. I wow. love that. That's really, really. So I don't know if a MNC like that, a global MNC like that can uh, allocate time, right? Directors can allocate time. I don't see any reason why smaller mm. companies uh, uh, can't do the same. Mm. And that's the, the process nature of it as well, right? Because if you let's say you have announced that you're going to be laying off 5,000 people, that's going to happen over time. 
um, going through the motions uh, and spacing it out as opposed to, you know, trying to just rip off the band-aid yeah. and get the cost off your books. That's probably where a lot of the problems from last year came around because tech companies panicked. Um, interest rates were going up, cost of capital went up, profits were down, and suddenly everyone was scared what shareholders would think. Uh, Anisha, we've got to go into a few more messages. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about communication, which is clearly important, as emphasized by you, but also talk a little bit about what smaller companies should be doing uh, when it comes to talent management, why they should be prioritizing it, as well as general common mistakes that you've seen uh, in your career in people management. Folks, I've been speaking with Anisha Shashindran, founder and managing partner at One People Team, a HR advisory and training company. We've been talking about the layoff process and how it should ideally look like, given that uh, layoffs in the tech sector look to be a continuing trend into 2024, although at not at the same magnitude and speed as 2023. I'm Roshan Kanasid. We'll be back in just a bit. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Break from monotony, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Resource Centre, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help you build, grow and manage your business. I'm Rajin Kanesan and today we've been talking about how the layoff process should look like or key considerations that go into the layoff process given that tech companies continue to see layoffs this year, although not at the same speed as 2023. Helping me with this conversation has been Anisha Shashindran. She's the founder and managing partner at One People Team, a HR advisory and training company. Uh, Anisha, just going back to what we were talking about before the break, which was steps that businesses can take to ensure that the layoff process is done in a humane and ethical manner. Uh, we covered two areas. Now there's a third part that you want to tell us about, which is about support after the process is done for those who've uh, still at the company, the not directly impacted folks. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, I think uh, uh, the after support and care is important. I think it's for those who are impacted is all the normal stuff, right? Like definitely we need to ensure career transition support, uh, mental health, uh, um, also like uh, any you know, fair compensation, extended benefits that we can offer, so on and so forth. So I think that one is pretty, you know, uh, people know about it and uh, we just need to make sure that we, we do it well and with care. But I think one thing I want to bring up is uh, support and care for those who continue to stay is equally as important. So, you know, these guys are taking over roles uh, of former colleagues that they've worked with closely, right? So making sure that uh, we allocate uh, resources also to train them up or, or even it's, ti it's timings like this, the team building, for example, is a good thing to do, right? Because they've just lost colleagues that they've worked with and then now we just want to make sure that they are motivated, they are eager to kind of bring the company to the next level. So providing support in, this, in the form of training, uh, 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 whether it's a... Uh, Mental health also, because they've also lost, uh, you know, uh, colleagues that they've worked with. Uh, team building uh, is also equally as important. I also want to bring up this this uh, point about closure. Uh, mm. A lot of times when people leave through exercises like this, they don't get a chance to say bye. You know, and uh, to some that's fine, right, because they probably, you know, don't want to say bye. They just want to shy their way out. And I think it's just to be respectful 
uh, to those who want their, their, their closure to be that way. But a lot of folks that I've spoken to in the past, uh, people who have been impacted, they say that one regret they had is they didn't get the chance to say bye. And I feel that this is uh, uh, maybe a after support and care that companies can consider respectfully. I think this is a, a choice that the individual needs to kind of share with us. But just to remind that that's also one thing that we should consider. Now, um, a few there have been a few times during this conversation where you've uh, you've touched on communication and emphasized its importance. Um, I'm wondering whether we have any more, in, uh, if you have anything else to add uh, towards the importance of uh, communication during layoffs, and uh, whether there are any strategies that businesses, particularly the smaller, younger ones and fast-growing ones, should adopt in order to maintain transparency and support employees uh, during these tough decisions? Uh, just always think when you're planning your communication strategy, it's there's always the before part where it is about managing expectations, setting expectation through your communication rituals. I feel communication rituals is something that companies take for granted. Mm. Um, and I think that is really, really uh, important to make sure that our, everyone in the company, right, whether it's a layoff or not, everyone in the company is on the same page with regards to where we want to head towards as a company or a team. The during Con communication has to come with care and empathy. And I've already shared like the, you know, couple of principles that I think is important. Uh, I feel like the after, the communication after such an exercise has been uh, 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 put together, I think is equally important. And that's also another aspect that companies don't focus on. They think that the process is over, the communication is over when, you know, your, your, your imp impacted ones leave. But it's actually even more important for you to communicate and communicate extra uh, uh, after the process is, is complete so that you build confidence again, right, with your employees who are staying or future employees who may be joining you. You're building reassurance. You're also reducing fear because once a company goes through, goes through such an exercise, the ones who are remaining are also a bit in this uh, state of who's next? Will mm -hmm. I be impacted next? So, you know, communication at this stage, the after is extremely important to build that confidence, to make sure that you reassure people, uh, you, you, you give them clarity, you, you, you know, motivate and align them once again, right? Yeah. Now, uh, this is all part of talent management and talent management isn't entirely about uh, the firing process. There's also the hiring, there's also the talent retention process of it. Um, so whether it's, you know, whether it's for small or big companies, talent management can be a key challenge uh, for them. So um, maybe tell us a little bit about um, some common mistakes that you've observed when it comes to recruitment, retrenchment and uh, retention. I think some common mistakes when it comes to hiring, please don't uh, hire as a knee-jerk reaction, your impulsive decision to kind of like, oh, uh, we need more people to get this done. Let's just hire, 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 right? Uh, always, always go back to your goals. Always, always go back to your plans. Uh, what's your your goals and your financial data telling you, right? Where do we need to hire if we need to hire? And where do we then need to allocate resources? Don't just, you know, assume that hiring is always that that solution that you, you need. And the second one is also, um, you know, I, I remember those days like before COVID, uh, it was actually a sign of growth if your team size was, uh, ex if your team size expanded. 
mm-hmm. right? So before COVID, you know, growth meant, okay, like growth in revenue uh, or you, you were still allowed to burn, right? For startups, for example. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, that also meant that uh, growth was dis- determined sometimes by the size of your team. Oh, mm. we were five people and now we are 200. Um, I, I just want to say gone are those days. Right. So today, let's again go back to our goals, uh, go back to our plans and uh, know uh, just because you have a 200 people team does not mean that you are a successful business today. So let's hire uh, for roles or skills that we really, really need um, and, and always use your financial data and your goals as a guide right, to help you decide on that. When it comes to uh, uh, retrenchment, I mean, like common mistake is communication. You don't have prior communication. So people are caught by surprise. This is really not a birthday surprise. Mm. right? So, you know, we need to do our part to make sure that we, co- we again, we write communication rituals. Our team is on the same page. What to expect, what's, what may happen, may not happen. right? Again, transparency. I think every company can define what is transparency. What does transparency mean, right? So what do we want to share? What we don't want to share, for example. Um, Now, I I want to talk about retention. Mm. Uh, So some common mistakes that I I see, it is again tied to recruitment, uh, but I'll just share it like uh, now, right? So like I've seen a lot of companies, uh, especially startups, hire, 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 right? So you build this really, really huge team And then you don't do anything to manage performance. Mm. So so now when you keep on hiring and you don't do performance management, you don't know, you don't know who your top performers are. You don't know who your low performers are. And all you're left with is this 200 people team that could consist of maybe 50 high performers that really, really work hard to bring the company to the next level. And another 150 who are just like there. Mm. Right. And that's cost to company. That's also that also kind of like sets culture, by the way, because when a company doesn't do performance management right, uh, you're kind of like saying it's okay to okay to be mediocre. Mm. Right. So that's culture. So I think that like when it comes to retention, you need to retain, but you need to retain the right folks. Right. People who are high performing, high potential individuals that really uh, is, is critical to bring the company to the next level. Um when it comes to uh, retention, the other thing that companies often, uh, or maybe not, in, especially in these past few years, they don't prioritize as much is they don't invest in talent development. So uh, even hiring, I've noticed a trend. People want to hire people who have been there, done that. They don't want to hire so much of the fresh graduates as we used to before, right? Why? Because, ah, oh, I don't have resources to handhold or train. But... Um, you know, it's not just, again, about hiring. Things change, right? Technologies change, strategies differ from, you know, this month to next month. And if we don't constantly invest in developing our people, that's not going to help us also. In situations where we are considering a layoff, for example, uh, sometimes it's going to be folks that are in our company today that are versatile, multiple skills, right, uh, that they have acquired throughout their, their, their time with you, that's going to be uh, uh, helpful or needed to, be, to continue their journey together with us. So, yeah, talent development too. Uh, Anisha, after a few messages, we're going to talk about how businesses can proactively address these challenges, as well as why it's crucial for smaller and younger companies to prioritize HR, especially given that they usually prioritize growth. 
Folks have been speaking with Anisha Sachindran. She's the founder and managing partner at One People Team, a HR advisory and training company. And you've been listening to the all-new Resource Center, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help you build and grow your business. I'm Roger Gunnison. We'll be back in just a bit. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Bulldozing fine measures. BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Resource Center, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help you build, grow, and manage your business. I'm Roshan Kanesan, and today we've been talking about how the layoff process should look like, given that we're still seeing tech companies lay off in 2024, although not at the same speed as we saw in 2023. We've talked a little bit about how this should look like earlier on in the conversation, and if you want to listen to that, you can download the podcast, which will be available on the BFM website, the BFM app, or your podcast just look up resource center um anisha now i want to follow up on uh you were talking a little bit earlier about common mistakes you've observed when it comes to recruitment retention and retrenchment when it comes to talent management for businesses whether they're big or small um do you have any thoughts in terms of how businesses can proactively address the challenges that you were talking about earlier yeah i think when it comes to hiring uh don't get excited don't hire 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 just for the sake of having someone join the team uh, always go back to, again, your goals. Make sure that you're hiring the right skills that is truly needed um, uh, for for you to get to the next level. Um, making sure that you also have like the right assessments to assess not just skill sets, but also if this person is a culture fit to the organization. Ah. Uh, folks that have, you know, uh, similar values that is needed for everyone within the company to succeed. Um, these are also important uh, aspects to assess uh, besides just the technical skills, right, that uh, most often we, we assess during interviews. When it comes to uh, retention, um, my, my recommendation to every company, every leader out there, always know your top performers and your low performers. Now, for both your top performers and your low performers, uh, you need to have development plans so that uh, the top performers continuously know how they're going to grow uh, uh, in, within the, the team or the company. But also the low performers, uh, if you don't have development plans where they are able to either level up or level out, right? If you don't have mm. development plans, so that we call it performance improvement plans. Uh, and I, and, and P, uh, performance improvement plans are not just for exit. Yeah, We've, I've seen some folks who have been part of these plans and they that was probably the nudge that they actually needed, right, to kind of level up. If you don't have these development plans in place, then we are going to be settling with a big team that is not entirely high performing. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to have a few folks within the team that's pulling all the weight and some folks who are just enjoying the ride. Right. Um, my recommendation is always make sure that you are you have a lean, a lean, but high performing team uh, within whatever function that, uh, you know, uh, managers are leading within the company. Yeah. To wrap up our conversation, uh, Anisha, um, smaller companies seem to focus on the areas that can provide growth to the top line or prioritize the bottom line functions. Um, and things like people management and HR can be uh how do I put this? Not as prioritized, right? And and it may come to become, uh, and it may come to the detriment of the company later on when they don't have the right processes as they continue to grow, uh, especially on the people count side of things. 
why is it crucial for smaller uh, or younger companies to prioritize the HR function uh, in order for them to better navigate the challenges that come out from talent management? Yeah, I think for this question, I, I got to thank uh, Joel New, who was my uh, former uh, CEO in Groupon and also Fave, right? Uh, he, he is the one who kind of like taught me that uh, to build a, a great business, we got to have our eyes on both the business and the people. We can have the best products, the best strategy, but at the end of the day, we need great people to you know, bring those products uh, alive or kind of grow uh, our business, right? So that's why I think having the right balance of focus on not just your business, but also your people is equally important. Uh, for HR, uh, I mean, why should smaller companies focus on HR? Um, you know, gone are those days where we can afford to have large but mediocre performing teams, right? Today, uh, I don't know any company that has uh, great resources to, to, to hire 200 people uh, teams, for example, that uh, only one-fourth are high-performing. So we're going to make sure that uh, we have the right HR strategies to hire uh, the right people, retain the right people, and reward the, the high performance or the high potentials that exist within the company. Uh, another thing that I think... Uh, I, as a HR person, I'm realizing is uh, average tenureship for people to stay in startups or any companies for this uh, for the mat- for this matter, right? Uh, is actually reducing, right? Mm. My father worked for Sime Dabi. <laughs> I think that was his first company, and actually he's still part timing with him now. <laughs> uh, but mm, I don't know anyone who's going to be my father, mm. right? Uh, in the future, or average tenureship, like the, the time people spend in companies, whether we like it or not, this is reality. Yeah, it is about two to three years at this point of time. Mm. And uh, as uh, the the newer generations come, I mean, this is going to be our uh, expected reality. Now, uh, if the average tenureship is going down, then like, uh, you know, how do we ensure that during that, that two to three years that they are going to be with us, how can we make sure that they are at their best? Right, they are performing their best. They're really, you know, helping uh, the company grow. They are growing themselves, so and so forth. So I think then, in that case, the right performance management strategies or uh, talent development strategies is cru- crucial, right, to make sure that within that short period of time, two to three years, we are able to to have a win-win situation. The employee also learns and grows and, you know, uh, 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 achieves great stuff within the company. But at the same time, the company is able to leverage from the skill sets, the motivation, the, 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 the capabilities of this individual. So then it's not just about hiring, but it's about investing in making sure that the talents that are within the, the company, regardless of how long they're going to be with us, uh, they are at their best and they contribute best right so yeah i think that's that's essentially it anisha it's been a pleasure speaking with you thank you so much for your time thank you roshan really really glad that we had this chat today looking forward to speaking to you again in the future folks that was anisha shashindran she's the founder and managing partner at one people team a hr advisory and training company and you've been listening to the newly revamped resource center your one-stop shop for strategies tactics and tools to better build scale and manage your business if you missed any part of this conversation you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the bfm app of course these shows are available on your favorite podcast app whether it's spotify apple Podcasts, or whatever else you may use just look up resource center on the app i'm roshan kinderson keep it here to bfm 89.9 the business station you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9
the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the VFM app.